Listeners, I'm Lee, and I'm Amaya, and you are listening to Fem South. So we're here in Fairhope talking to people who live in our community and asking them about feminism in the South. And so I have two people joining me right now that are at a party, uh, Rachel and Edie, and I just basically pulled them out of the crowd so that I could make this as unproduced as possible and on the spot as possible. I actually really put Edie on the spot and asked her and she started to tell me a story and I said, wait, hold it. Wait until we get into the microphone and tell me the story that you wanted to tell me. So first of all, I guess the first question I should ask you is do you consider yourself a feminist? And that's where I struggle to say yes or no because it depends and 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 maybe I say no sometimes because I think there's a real negative connotation around what a feminist is. And I don't want to feel negative about it. So my first reaction is to say no to that. But then when I start to think about myself, how could I possibly say that I'm not a feminist? Um, because I do believe in myself as a person. I guess the, the reason I might say no is I don't feel like I'm any different than I need a step up or any help to be who I am and and I guess maybe where I was talking about the whole Title IX is I lived through Title IX and I experienced it and I think it I think at the time it was a good thing because there was a real difference between what boys were able to participate in versus girls and that equaled the playing field and that you were able to go out and they made made it so girls had sports teams that were equal to the number of boys sports teams. And not only that, I even, saw, I even saw it on the playground where I went to school. The boys went out and played on one playground, and the girls went out on a different playground. The girls' playground was tiny. It had hardly any equipment. The boys had a large playground with the best equipment, and I saw that change. They actually allowed the girls to go out on the big playground certain days of the week, and then the boys had to go out on the other playground. So... I saw where that was really important, but I feel I feel kind of like today that women do have a lot of equal rights, and it's time to just step up to the plate and 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 do something about it. I mean, do don't worry about how people feel about you. Say what you need to say. Take the job that you want to take. I think the opportunity is there, and. The negative con- connotation comes in when we complain or we whine about, I don't have that opportunity. Um, and I guess maybe that's why I might say no when they, maybe the real answer is yes. I'm not really sure. 
That's a good answer, right? Because a lot of people do struggle with the word feminism, even in our own uh, book club. We really struggled to try to define it. And everybody had a different answer. And some people thought, like you did, that there was some kind of stipulation with the word feminism. It was almost equal to victimization or something like that. But then uh, I like how you said, but really, though, I think that how can I not be a feminist? Because, you know, you see, I guess, if I am processing what you just said, you see that we really have already come so far and we're on equal grounds and there's really nothing left to do but to just step up to that. Or do you think that maybe we have a little bit more to a little bit more? I feel like the opportunity is there if it's not you'll find out, but you'll never find out if you never step up and try to do things. I think the time is, I I don't like that feeling of that victim part of it. I think people need to not complain and just go out after whatever it is they want and not, not worry about what other people think about like you're a woman and you shouldn't be doing that. Um, Just, and, and maybe in the South, there's a little bit more of that that you're worried you don't look right or you don't look feminine enough in that role, in that new job or whatever it is that you want to do. But I think if people just, I would like to see women just not worry about that piece and go after whatever it is you want. Hmm. And Edie, one more question for you. You, did you grow up in the South? That's the other part. I did not (laughs) grow up in the South. I grew up in Maine. I had a mother who was uh, very independent, who like I had spoken before about is I played Little League as a 12-year-old on a boys baseball team and I had two older brothers. I probably that was frowned upon a little bit but I was raised in a, in a place where that my I was supported by my family to do that. I enjoyed playing um, so no I grew up in the state of Maine where they're pretty but now you about that. now you live here in the south do you feel any different do you feel maybe a different vibe about the word in the South as opposed to growing up in Maine? Do you, do you see any difference there? I guess I don't really worry too much. I grew up very independent, so I don't really worry too much. I do, I, I guess when I very first came here about 10 years ago, and I would walk around in athletic clothes, and you might walk into some place that way, where is you walked into a place in Maine like that, nobody would care that you look that way. I did feel like 10 years ago if I walked into a certain place dressed that way that maybe it was frowned upon, that I should have been, I should have looked more feminine, I should have been dressed up. I don't, I think that's changed. I think Mm -hmm. it's definitely much more open to be dressed any way that you want to be here. Well, thank you, Edie. We also have Rachel here, so I think I'm going to ask the same question to Rachel. Do you consider yourself a feminist? Yeah, I guess I do. I, I think I do, yes. Um, I think I'm, I'm kind of mixed about it like Edie is and probably like a lot of people are in this area. We were talking about it outside. Amaya mentioned it and you mentioned it. I feel like I kind of wanted to blurt it out, but it's kind of a dirty word. It's not something that people are comfortable with and it's not easily defined. When I think of feminism, I think of what maybe the beginnings of it or, or maybe when it became this really big bra burning, you know, that kind of thing, the stereotypical 
cut all your hair off. Don't wear any makeup. Make sure you have very hairy armpits and <laughs> whatever. Right. There Which are is stereotypes. Fine too. Yeah, there's definitely <laughs> right, and then there's second wave feminism. Yeah. Right. So, but I, I guess second wave feminism. I don't know that I've ever heard that term, but I'm a mother. I have two children, and I work forty hours a week, and I pursue my own interests. And I shop for my own clothes and I have my own control of my money. And I feel like that's not always something that that has been accessible to women or even, um, you know, is definitely frowned upon. I come from a family of mostly women and, you know, without getting too personal into their information, my family's information, I have let's see, maybe six relatives that were physically abused in, in marriages and, you know, where they, they literally had to escape. And so I guess the way I was brought up is to understand what they went through and to know that I don't have to make those, I don't have to have those thing, same things happen to me. And so that's something that's always been kind of empowering for me and what I hope to pass on to my, my two girls as well. So I don't know. <laughs> that's really so interesting. Is that even an answer to the question? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no one answer to the question. Right. It's such a broad, open question. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's interesting because Amaya and I talk on our podcast a lot about generational trauma mm-hmm. and its effect broadly speaking. Um, and so when somebody in your family has gone through trauma, even if it's your mother's mother, mm-hmm. how they raise you and the ways in which the things that they teach you affect how you see yourself in the world. So trauma isn't just what's happened to you in your life, but what's happened to your mother, your mother's mother, and so on and so on and so mm-hmm. on. And you can go back as far as hundreds of years yeah. of trauma, right? And so somehow or another, you, your life is informed by their experiences. 100%. Absolutely. Yes. And, and they, they kind of, you know, without forcing it on us, but definitely um, educating us. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people, men in particular, think that women should have specific roles. And when they don't fill those roles, they can become aggressive or, you know, whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, but kind of wanted to mention, I have joked that my father, you know, we text back and forth. He lives in Texas and which is where I'm originally from. And um, he said something to me about how proud he was of me and uh, and my car- career or, or what have you. And I, I joked with him and I said, oh, well, you're just a feminist dad. <laughs> and he immediately responded with, what you know he was he was um he was he did not he was offended by the word not offended well I mean he didn't say how could you possibly say that to me but I think it it shocked him that I might use that word for him um so I think I I don't know I wonder if if men can't be feminist too you know I that 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 might be changing that we're hoping that that it changes yeah I guess so yeah and even just little by little so it's interesting, though, that you say to your father, I think you might be a feminist because he suggests that he's proud of you for working. Do you think that feminism is all about women and work? 
And I ask you that question because you also said you're a mother. Yeah. And he didn't say that, did he say that he was proud of you because you're a mother or did he say he was proud of you because you're working? I would actually, I could probably look at the text and tell you specifically, but, but I think it was just a general I'm proud of you. Oh. Yeah, but I mean, did we you probably internalize that as he's proud of me because I'm working or is he proud of me because I'm a mother? I, 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 both. both, both. And okay. I don't know that they're easily separated, mm. you know, for me because I am a mother and I do work. And um, even if I weren't employed, I would still be doing something because, oh. you know, I'm involved in a number of different things. And so, uh, yeah, <laughs> Um. I think he was what we pro I think what we were probably talking about was work. But typically, now that you mention it, when he does say I'm proud of you, he, he says I'm proud of you for the woman that you are and the mother that you are. And it's they're I think they are kind of separated at times the, in the way that he that he says that. I don't know. Maybe we have to compartmentalize a little bit, too. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you, Rachel. And also we have Megers here on the couch, so I want to give her an opportunity <laughs> to talk. <laughs> Megers is actually in our book club. Yes. Very newly joined to our book club, though. So, Megers, do you consider yourself a feminist? Yes. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, I, think <laughs> I would question? go back to my, my family's history. My grandmother was a feminist, I think, from the womb. Mm -hmm. And so I just grew up with three generations of women that were very much about this is the right. Like we didn't have rights a long time ago. We have to fight for them and we have to continue to be aware of what we have. And I get a little emotional about it because I saw where my grandmother would at like five, one, 80 pounds, like stand up to men and say, you can't do this to me. And knowing that. She did that for not only her kids, but for herself. And that was just a really great role model. So I consider myself a feminist, but I don't consider that as like my armor of going into life. And I think that's a lot of times why we think it's yeah. a dirty word is if you identify as feminist, then you're out to change and do this and break down paradigms. And I think sometimes we find that exhausting. It's pushy. <laughs> it's I think pushy. It's, yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's a, that difference between the identifier that we have for ourselves of like equality and just knowing that we are so grateful for everything that previous generations have done. And we're trying to carry that torch versus solicitation. Because I think in the South, we, we don't always like talking about things because we don't want to be considered as pushy. And I think that might be a separate issue that when you bring these two things together can get very confusing. So I think that's why these conversations are so important. You know, sitting down and saying, oh, well, what do you actually think about this? What do you actually think feminism means? And then we go, oh, yeah, I'm a feminist. Mm -hmm. And it's not a dirty word anymore. Right. I like that you say that women in the South are very concerned about being pushy. I wish Amaya was here because she can't speak to that because she's been dealing with the reaction and response that she gets when she does speak, you know, out about how she feels. When she speaks more directly, we have such an indirect way of speaking about things. And so to begin to talk about feminism and to label yourself as a feminist, 
automatically puts you in that sort of confrontational seat that maybe a lot of Southern women feel uncomfortable with because they were raised, I mean, we can, you know, going back and back and back, women have been taught that confrontation is uncomfortable or that speaking out might even lead to confrontation in some ways. Is that making any sense? It, it absolutely makes sense. I would like to say that I think when we talk about being pushy, it's not necessarily like coming in and breaking down doors, but that politeness. And I think politeness, we sometimes have used it to subvert our, our beliefs. And I think there's a difference between being polite and respectful and not wanting to run in and tell everyone your thoughts versus coming in, reading the room, taking the temperature versus not speaking up at all because I don't want to offend anybody. Like, I think there are layers to it. Well, do you feel fear about speaking out no. in this area? In <laughs> no, the South? I don't. Does any of you feel afraid to speak your voice? I don't know about fear. Fear to me. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a strong, strong word. word. That is a strong word. So, but I can. Apprehensive. I, yes, absolutely. Apprehension. <laughs> okay. ap- 100%. Um, you know, I work in an office. I work in a construction company, which is largely men. Men run the company. And there's a lot of women where I work, but. Um, and then this kind of goes back to what you were saying, Edie, where you said we need to stop complaining. I felt very strong. I feel like a call to action on that, you know, and just to be upfront about it. We have a conference room and once a month we meet in the conference room and all of the men, all of the men gather around the table. And all of the women sit in these little tiny seats around the edge of the room. And it's not intentional. They're running, you know, it's like this unconscious thing where we're like, oh, well, well, they're running the company. And so they need to be able to blah, 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 whatever, insert excuse, right? Right. But I've complained about it. And I've mentioned it and I've said, does anybody else notice that that's just really strange and slightly uh, upsetting or offending or, you know, any of any both of those words. But maybe instead of complaining about it, I should just sit at the table to go back to what you were saying, Edie. It's it's we have and this does not apply to everything, but we have the opportunities I get in there before most people, but I just don't take it. Yeah. It's interesting <laughs> that you say that we do this to ourselves. Even when we say, I shouldn't complain, or we say, complain too much. But what if we change that word and we started talking about validating our concerns? If you expressed a concern about all the women in the room not being able to sit at the table, why should that be seen as complaining? That's a valid concern. I think it's a complaint, though, if you don't actually go take that seat. Well, yes, you could have you could take the initiative and go sit down and take the seat. But you could also have a conversation and feel validated and not feel like speaking your truth or speaking your however you feel about this situation is going to be perceived as complaining. I think that's where getting rid of these ideas, these notions that feminism and feminists and complaining and that it's a dirty word and that women, when we start to speak, are are, uh, when we start to evaluate the way that things are happening and asking, can this be done differently? Why is it done this way in the first place? How can we approach this in a different way? 
why is that not valid? And why are we as women not validating ourselves and validating other women when that happens? I think it is valid, but even though I have a family history of women saying you 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 need to take control of your life, you you deserve these things, you don't deserve these other things. And same with Megrez, we're not necessarily given the tools. No, it's there's, and this brings us back to how we're in the South and how it's different. Those tools aren't there. They're not talked about. And so to have these discussions, to have this podcast, to have parties where we have what, and 45 minute long oration or (laughs) talks about um, consciousness, that's the start of it. But we do, I think we do have to recognize that we don't have the tools. I'm I'm fairly emotional and uh, a a little bit, um, maybe at times, emotional, I think is also a dirty word, actually. So I agree with you. What's wrong with being emotional? There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with being emotional. But it can, it can be, um, not explosive either, because that sounds violent, but, you know, just passionate. So something comes into my head, I'll go, and just fire it off. Well, that's not the best way to handle some situations. And so I, for one, would benefit largely from learning how to approach a, a situation where only men are literally seated at the table and all the women are on the periphery how how do I have that conversation I don't know I've, I've you know I'd have to really I'd probably have to write it down first and that'd be the the only thing I can think of as far as a, as a tool to to approach that situation but um that, well, that's a Southern, I think that's part of the Southern thing. It too. is a part of the Southern thing. And one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is so that we can have these conversations. And as we have these conversations, the wheels start turning in your mind and you start to say, okay, my concerns are valid and other women validate you. And then all of a sudden we're forming a community. We're validating each other and we're giving each other confidence to then go to that room and say, my concerns are valid and I'm going to speak them. Now, how they respond, you have no control over that, but you have control over whether or not you see yourself as complaining or raising a valid concern. Mm -hmm. And I think you have a very valid concern if all the men are seated at the table and all the women are on the peripheral of that meeting. Mm -hmm. I got to get another group in, right? (laughs) (laughs) So we have two new visitors that are going to talk to me about feminism in the South. First, we'll start with Anne. And I'm just going to ask you, Anne, what I've been asking everybody else. Do you consider yourself a feminist? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was born here. I was born in Alabama and moved away as a child and then came back. So it's been really interesting. I've been pretty much a feminist as long as I can remember. And coming back here has been really interesting because it is different in the South. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about how it's different in the South? What is it? And you say you moved away. Mm-hmm. Where did you move to? Maryland. And then later, Boston and California. So we moved around a lot. And I lived for a long time in each place, probably 10 or 15 years in each place, long enough to get uh, different perspectives. Did you have to leave the South in order to become a feminist? 
Oh, gosh, I don't think so at all. No, I mean, I think if... I think in this... The way I think of the South being from here and then also coming back here, it's a place of extremes. There are extremely enlightened people and extremely conservative people in stuck in what I think of as the past. So there are very extreme points of view. And if you have, if you come from, like, I left in the 50s, in the 50s and 60s when the civil rights movement was so at the forefront of what was happening in the South, you had to take, you were on one side or the other. It was an extreme um, position to be on either side. It's kind of still like that. It does seem to be a little bit, especially right now. Yeah. We're so polarized right now that it, yeah. So the whole country is kind of becoming like the South, completely polarized. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that makes you, when you're faced with an extreme, that makes you take a stand, that makes you really decide what you think, because you have to, you're, you bump up against something that's that's undeniable, and you can't just sit around and be neutral right so in that sense that's good because <laughs> it brings it out and and for me I had to take a stand because when we left the south and moved to Maryland we moved my relatives in uh, not all of them but a few of my relatives in the south were really angry with my family for letting me go to school in an integrated school Oh, wow. So, and I was disinherited from certain, you know, aunts and uncles who wouldn't leave me things because I went to school with not just white people and stuff. So, at a young age, I had to take, I had to look at those things, how it affected me personally, and then why would people have these points of view and how it affects your life and things like that. So, and then coming back and finding out it's still, it's still so strong here. Those currents are still so strong. And you either become really motivated to change that or you get more and more entrenched. It seems like that's what's in this culture, those really strong divides. So you were really thinking about resisting. Back then, racism was at the forefront of what was happening in the civil rights movement. And you were right in the middle of that and then you started to travel around and see different perspectives and things like that do you feel like feminism sort of halted at a certain point and that we're now picking back up or do you feel like it's been a smooth flow throughout all these years i don't know if that's a good qu or the right question <coughs> I know if you understand you mean, my question uh, because a lot of people have this impression that feminism has been sort of dormant Right, you know, which is, I think, a, just not accurate at all. Um, th those are usually people who have just decided to enter the movement, and they didn't notice. <laughs> they didn't notice it before. Yeah, right? you know, it's not, the movement hasn't been dormant in any way, shape, or form, but people come in and out of it and, and become conscious of what's happening. And now it's in the mainstream media more because of the Me Too and the civil rights thing, so. But the movement certainly hasn't been dormant. 
That's interesting. Thank you for answering that question because that's something that I have wondered. I was raised in the South. I didn't hear the word feminism until I left the South and took a a, a women's studies class in college. And so that's when I came on board and it seemed that feminism had become dormant and that all of a sudden now we're just sort of getting a recharge. But even still in the South, that, that sense of it coming back alive still isn't really present here. Do you feel like it's coming back alive in the South, or do you feel like the South is still a little bit asleep? Well, I think culturally the dominant political forces in the South are still really backward from another time and place, in my point of view, in terms of thinking. So, But they that doesn't mean that the women's movement hasn't been important here or functioning here. And certainly not dormant, um, but you don't hear about it in the mainstream the way you do when you're some somewhere else. I mean, anywhere else you'd be, you'd hear about it. Right, and that's yeah. Why do you think that you don't hear about it in the mainstream though? Here, do you think people are afraid to speak out? Oh yeah, here. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and I think this current political environment is helping women speak out. They're certainly leading the progressive democratic movements and the black women are really organizing more visibly it's an, and all those things have been going on they just haven't been at the forefront of the media here but it's there's still a lot it's it's hard to say but compared to anywhere else now because i think the whole country is kind of more like it what was in the south when you're in the north now you know you can be liberal and get bombs in your mailbox so right and that used to be just regional so it's just bringing out what's under the surface in america right thank you kent we have bob here who has joined our booth so i want to ask bob the same question i've been asking all the ladies bob do you see yourself as a feminist i do yes Uh, i've considered myself a feminist for a long time and uh, I was uh, trained by a, a lot of very famous and uh, hard-driving uh, uh, women. Yes, I was mentored by a lot of women in politics. So can you explain then a little bit more about that kind of mentorship? What kind of things were you being mentored Well, when towards? I was in college, in, uh, at Huntington College in Montgomery, uh, I was mentored by uh, Mrs. Rosa Parks. Oh, wow. And uh, also, um, the organization that I belonged to for a long time was founded by Ella Baker, another tremendous uh, feminist in the United States. And so I early became a uh, feminist, and they called me on a lot of my male chauvinism way back there. And so they began to work on my consciousness, and uh, I was... uh, I was, uh, I became an early feminist, yes. How were you received as a feminist? Or do you even, I mean, you're speaking openly right now. Do you speak openly about being a feminist? Oh, yes. I I do a lecture series every year, a lecture tour, and I talk about uh, feminism. In fact, uh, I like to talk about what's happening in Alabama because the uh, women, both black and white, are the ones that are leading uh, in the deepest, darkest Alabama. They're leading uh, back into a period, I hope, will be a progressive period for the next several decades. 
as you're talking, I want to know a little bit more then about what you do. What do you do, Bob? Uh, well, uh, I'm, I'm a retired uh, teacher, and uh, what do you teach? I, I teach history. Okay. I, I teach. I taught history. I taught the history, uh, <coughs> mainly uh, Southern history, uh, from the Civil War up to the present, and. Uh, you know, I was raised here in L.A., Lower Alabama. Uh, my daddy was in the Ku Klux Klan. My granddaddy was in the wow. Ku Klux Klan. Mother and daddy both went to uh, Bob Jones College, which became Bob Jones University. He's my godfather, so I was supposed to be a f Christian fundamentalist and follow in the Klan footsteps of my father and my grandfather. But um, I, while I was in college in Montgomery, I got to know Martin Luther King and Mrs. Rosa Parks, and they started me on a life of crime. So I joined SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and we were led by very strong women in SNCC in those years. Ella Baker is one of the uh, founders of um, the Civil Rights Movement. She was very active. She was born in uh, North Carolina, graduated from Shaw University in, um, in Raleigh. Uh, she worked with Dr. King. She was uh, the acting executive director of SCLC, which was formed here in Alabama. Um, and in 1960, when the students started sitting in, uh, Dr. King wanted the sit-in movement to be part of uh, his organization, but it was dominated by males and by ministers and uh, they weren't very feminist in the, at that time. And she uh, counseled SNCC to become an independent organization. And um, so we had leaders like Diane Nash and um, uh, Fannie Lou Hamer, um, a tremendous number of, uh, of women who were mentoring us. Ann Braden, who was from Aniston, Alabama. These are all famous women in the civil rights movement. Wow. Bob, I think I want to interview you in another podcast. So both you and Bob have discussed doing something against your family's training, against the way that your family brought you up and the, the, the life that they wanted you to have. Can you, either of you, speak to what that was like, walking away from your family? And do you have relationships with your family still anymore? Or did you just basically have to leave all that behind in order to move forward and, and do the work that you've been doing your whole life? Well, for me, my parents actually raised me to be a lot more liberal than their neighbors and their our relatives here, most of them. I mean, there are, there are always exceptions, but... So, and that's... That was great for me, but then I kind of took it and ran with it, and they didn't want me to... I became more radical than they were, and that upset them. So they got me... They encouraged me in the beginning, but they didn't think I was going <laughs> to keep keep uh, going with it and really make a public life and really take it on in a public way. And then the feminism aspect was also... I moved to California and in 16, 1969 and did a lot of public work there in the women's movement and wrote a lot about it. So once I started writing about it and became known in the media for these positions, that made them nervous. So that kind of, that was a, 
a line to cross. You know, it's fine if you have this private opinion, but if you if you become a person in the world who who tries to speak out, that was a line that they weren't prepared to support. So uh, that was for me the only f bone of contention with my family. Um, but other than that, they were quite supportive of the basic ideas. Hmm. Okay. It's just a, a little bit, you should be a little, <laughs> a little more polite about it. A little bit more polite, a little <laughs> bit less right. radical. Yeah, and not so public. So yeah. that, I think that's a Southern thing, you know, just sort of. Yes, going public right now is a little bit scary for yeah. me because I'm in the South. It's not easy to speak up and, and out without worrying that something's going to happen to you. Yeah, and that you have something to worry about. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, there are a lot of people who won't hire you to, for jobs. There are a right. lot of people who won't socialize with you. Right. And then nutty people everywhere will, you know, who knows what they'll do. But I think it's time, and more, more and more women here are doing it, which is really wonderful. Right. I think the Southern women who do become involved in politics and take a stand publicly become because of that oppression become even more powerful like yes and uh, Virginia Durr is a good example she wrote a book called Outside the Magic Circle she's from Montgomery Alabama from an aristocratic family and her, her husband Clifford Durr uh, they were both very involved in the New Deal with uh, FDR, and um, they took a stand way, way back there for equal rights. And um, one thing that I've learned about uh, Southerners, especially in Alabama, if you take a stand for civil rights or for women's rights or labor rights, and you take a, you take a tremendous risk. So therefore, uh, I think people are, you get welded into your positions because you did take a risk. It's not easy to do that. So you take such a risk to do it that you're not going to generally uh, go backwards. So we have very strong women in um, Alabama. Virginia Durr was one good example. Ann Braden, as I mentioned before, from Anniston, Alabama. And, um, of course, uh, Mrs. Rosa Parks is a, a symbol all over the world. And she wasn't just a tired seamstress. She was a political activist. She was investigating rapes and, uh, and lynchings and so forth well before she ever took a seat on that bus and became a, a symbol. So this is the, um, these are the examples that we've had here in the Deep South. So when you take that risk and you take that stand, you become uh, very dedicated to it. Right. I want to say something about the, the, the impression that the women's movement has been dormant. It's what the media, the media still is dominated by the voices of white males and or just men in general. But um, the fact that Fannie Lou Hamer and the other women in the civil rights movement were not given equal credit in the public eye is a, is so such a distortion of what really went on and but that is the impression you get you you think there were no women active right. and right. they were key cornerstones of the movement and that's what happens all the time with the women's movement it's all the uh, so many things are happening and so many women are doing 
monumental social society moving things, but they don't get covered. Somebody else gets the credit, and one man gets to be the figurehead in the media. So I think you have to be, you know, dig a little deeper if you want to know what's really been right. going on. That's a great point. And it's interesting because I just had a conversation with two women who were younger, and they have such a hard time using the word feminism. They have such a hard time talking about it. They don't really have the words for it. All they think is equality and aren't we already there? Don't we already have everything? And isn't feminism a, a separatist word? And why do you think that young women don't really understand what feminism means, but both of you speak very clearly about what it means to you, and you don't use the word with any confusion? I, I think that uh, one of the things that uh, is affecting uh, younger women, especially in the South, is that the early feminists were so viciously attacked, bra burners, uh, men haters, all of those things, that uh, they, the younger women, uh, maybe they're not so aware of the advances that those uh, uh, stormtroopers or those uh, uh, pioneers made. And so feminism, feminist, became a, a bad word for them. So they wanted all the things that feminism stood for, but they didn't want to be labeled a feminist. My God, they wouldn't want that. that. So part of it was just the, uh, the uh, incredible onslaught of the early feminists that it made it into what in their minds was a bad word. We thought it was a good word because it was a fighting word. It was the suffragettes working to get the vote. In, uh, in the United States, women only got the vote in 1920? Yeah, we're behind as a country. But, yeah, it's so great to see the advances that have been made and that young women feel so much more equal and and part of the whole mechanism of society that's that's a huge advance but but they are also victims of that censorship in the media of what actually went on and what's actually going on they don't understand that part of it because they get get told that um that it's you know the work is done and it's over and you don't have to do anything else and and also that the women who came before them, they have a negative view of a lot of that, which is, I think, the distortion from the media, which is going on now. The women who speak out, uh, like against Kavanaugh and those things, they get this really distorted, crazy portrait in the media that is not accurate. And then other people are supposedly kind of embarrassed to identify with those people. That's part of the fight. And it's also, it's a funny thing in itself because Southern women are generally extremely strong. And so a lot of people think we don't need to do anything about our consciousness because we were brought up to be very strong, but we're also brought up to keep our mouths shut and not push the boundaries of where we're allowed to do and speak and go and so right it's that contradiction in in most families the women are very strong voices but that's inside the house and not in public so that public domain has always been reserved for the male right <laughs> 
Okay, well, thank you both. Yeah. For joining me, and um, we're going to move on to some more people Great. who want to come in and talk about feminism. Okay, so now I have Brandy, Kate, and Elodia in the room with me, and we're going to talk about feminism. So I guess I'll go ahead and start with Brandy. Brandy, I've been asking everybody the same question, so I'm going to keep asking it. Do you consider yourself a feminist? No, not really. Mainly because I don't like the connotation that that word has had, uh, the stigmata, I guess, that word has had. I don't like defining myself as a feminist because when I tell someone I'm a feminist, they automatically go that way. So, yes, I do believe in what feminists do, and I do follow that practice, but as a word, no, I do not like defining myself as a feminist because of what the stigmata around it is. Do you think that that, that stigma is uh, particular to this area? Very much so. So do you think maybe if you moved to California or someplace where it was maybe more acceptable, you might use that word? Probably a whole lot more than I do. <laughs> okay, so it's kind of like reservation, fear, a, li a little bit of fear? Right, because okay. you're immediately judged on saying, yes, I'm a feminist in this area by the people who have always lived here. You say, yes, I'm feminist, and they immediately go towards, oh, she's crazy. She thinks that all men are evil and all men need to be put down, and that's not the way it is. It's equality, not one gender over the other. So do you think then it's a problem with the word, or do you think it's a problem with people's understanding of the word? It's a problem with people's understanding of the word. I don't in general think words are evil. It's how people perceive words. So here's another question then. I understand where you're coming from and why you think this way, but do you think that if you use the word and you talk to people more about what the word really means, that things might change here? A little bit, but I think it would have a lot more to do with showing people what the word truly means as opposed to telling them. Oh, okay. That's a great idea. What do you mean by showing? What do you think would show people? That's, I really don't know how to, to show people without telling them and it's one of those that we've got to work towards it's equality for everybody and just keep hammering that home it's maybe it's not being feminist maybe it's not being anything but equality okay so Kate what about you do you consider yourself a feminist yes I I do consider myself a feminist that it has been definitely a evolving concept in my life because um, I've heard this word growing up quite a bit and I never really was able to take it under my wing. Um, but more recently, as I'm sort of working through different issues and stuff, I'm really seeing how, how equality plays into um, a lot of different aspects of even the typical life of a woman. And so I've definitely sort of adopted that framework recently. So do you feel confident using that word when you are just moving around in your daily life? Only in certain contexts. So I definitely relate to what Brandy was saying because while I will say, yes, I am a feminist, there's, I know that there's going to be explanation after that. Like I'm going to have to explain myself. So a lot of times I, I don't just come out and, you know, wave a flag or anything um, just based on 
personal simplicity. I work in a, a very conservative environment. But if I, I will say that if, if I feel like someone is receptive, I will go there and, and chat with them about it. Conservatism and feminism seem to be at odds with one another mm. in the South. Is that mm. a true statement? Yeah, I would definitely say that's a true statement. And an unfortunate one, considering how many women make up the area. It's, um, it's very strange. You're in my book club as well. So do you think that there's value in using the word feminism and then labeling a book club a feminist book club versus a women's book club? And if so, what is that value? Well, I would say that by, by labeling it a feminist book club, it creates structure within it. So we're all going in, you know, you're going to be reading material that is toward this, um, obtaining this knowledge and living this lifestyle potentially. And so, yeah, I think, I think the term is really important um, I thought a lot about this earlier. Elodie and I went to use the restroom next door and your son and his friend were in there. And his friend asked a really interesting question because we started to talk about um, feminism. And he said, well, what's the opposite of that word? Like, what would I be if I'm very pro-male? He was like, would, that, would I be a, um, would it be a masculinist or, you know? <laughs> oh, he's and so it, smart. Too. Yeah. I'm not surprised that he would ask that question. <laughs> The word that came to my mind, which actually isn't good, but um, was overcompensate. And that may be how people feel about it if they don't aren't a woman or haven't experienced the playing field not being level. Well, in my opinion, today, women, we are overcompensating. You know, we are trying to be mothers. We are trying to be career women. We are trying to do it all. And we are absolutely we're working ourselves to the bone. How do you solve that? That's the problem that we have for women today. That I, I think you have definitely nailed it, Elodie. That is a huge problem. Women are trying to do it all. We are trying to compensate, and we are killing ourselves. And I speak from my own personal experience, working way harder than I should have to work just what prove a point to live within the paradigm that exists mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah. so uh, women have been awoken and we we do want to equal things out but we're still fighting against the way that the world is still viewed especially mm -hmm. in the south mm -hmm. and it's very difficult if you have any different viewpoint than what is the traditional conservative viewpoint of man and wife and the wife is still subservient to the man and that's still taught mm -hmm. in the vast majority of the churches mm -hmm. and carried on today it's interesting to me talking to several different generations of people today tonight and the the older generation people who are 60 plus have no qualms about defining and using the word feminism or feminist. For them, it is equal to the civil rights movements, for example. It's equal to any movement that is trying to create equality and an end to racism, misogynism, all the isms, you know, create a new paradigm. They right. understand it. They didn't, I didn't even have to really ask them twice. But all the young people that have sat in front of me have really struggled 
to use the word and define the word. For them, it's something different. For them, it's something to be afraid to say out loud, especially in the South. Things are, while they are in unequal, it's not like we're having, like we can vote, you know, we can own land. So we're kind of in this purgatory state, probably, you know, where it's not so bad that we want to do anything about it. You know, but it's bad enough to where we're like, well, we should really claim this and do more. But it's I mean, it really sort of fits in with the whole generation of where we are on getting shit done. Moderately angry women. Yes. Moderately angry women. We are moderately angry as fuck. Right. <laughs> but it definitely takes, took this current administration to wake up so many women. And the Me Too movement is talking about something beyond equality in the workplace Mm -hmm. and feminists in the 60s and 70s were talking about things well beyond equality in the workplace a lot of younger women have somehow associated feminism and equality in the workplace and oh we have that now Mm -hmm. so we're done Mm -hmm. we don't need it anymore but that isn't the case. That's right. not the case at all. There's not still the not equality in the workplace. Yeah. There's still not equality. I mean, even that very basic right. fundamental, like, we can get on board with feminism because we want equality in the workplace. Even that, we still haven't fully reached that. Yeah, when you get into um, just the general power dynamic with sexuality and stuff, um, that's really my, uh, that's my call to feminism is when you get in the nitty gritty stuff. I mean, it's all nitty gritty, but especially that stuff. And, uh, I mean, it's incredibly relevant there, like you were saying, with the Me Too movement and just having people come out and share their stories and um, just really recognizing those power dynamics that exist everywhere, almost in Mm -hmm. every relationship, you know? Do you think it's important that we use the word feminism and we keep talking about it? I absolutely think it's important to keep using it. So, but I relate to what Brandy said, and then we got into words and syntax, and I think that's really powerful. So, could it be rebranded? Potentially. I mean, like, it could be rebranded. Does it have to be? No. Brandy's shaking her head, though, and then she said it. Brandy, I want you to speak on that. Why are you shaking your head now? I don't think it needs to be rebranded so much as, like I said, it needs to be shown what it really is, not the negative connotation that it has. So maybe it's not, and I hate to bring this up, but it actually was brought up to me when I said I was a part of a feminist book club. Immediately, I was asked, are you going to run around with a vagina on your head? Immediately. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's not that. I don't know what it is or how we can show the world that that's not what we're, we're not all crazy. <laughs> I mean, maybe we are, but. Isn't that the whole thing that women fight all the time anyway? Is people thinking that we're crazy because we have strong emotions? Exactly. Thank you, Kate. We've been fighting the stigma of being crazy for millennia. That's, it's almost like a separate issue that's tied into just being a woman. Like, I'm a woman with mental health. I almost feel like saying I'm a woman with mental health in this, not, not even this day and age, in any day and age. It's like men go, or people in general go, well, you're a woman, so it's, it's not, you're going to be hysteric. You're going to cry. You're go- well, that's, that's fine and, and dandy, but we are all allowed to cry. We are mm-hmm. all allowed to be hysterical when we need to be. That's, 
to me, that's not a feminist issue. That's an everybody issue. Men are allowed to cry as much as women are allowed to cry. We should all be allowed to feel our emotions and to express them and to have an opportunity to voice, to be able to share our voice and share our opinions and share our thoughts and whatever is going on with us at that moment. And that maybe we shouldn't have to be labeled. We should just be allowed to be human. Um, I had an idea about what feminists could do when we're talking about men. Um, Something that I would love to see is more women who are going out and really healing the male population and calling that feminism. Like, it's okay to cry. It's okay to do yoga and to connect with your body and to be who you are, where you are, and love your children and have a full life experience. Because that's really, it's part of the tragedy here, certainly, is that while we may be oppressed and they may, the power dynamic may lean more in that direction, holy shit, I don't think I'd choose that. I'd much prefer to be a woman and be, just call me crazy and I'll live my life, um, you know? That's what feminism actually is, Mm. is this idea that it isn't just about equality. It's about creating a new paradigm and breaking down those Mm. systems that tell men and tell us that our emotions aren't valid, that aren't giving men the tools that they need to process their emotions. That's all a part of the umbrella of feminism. So we need to make sure that we understand that. And so that when we're talking about it, that that's expressed because you know the gentleman that I was just talking to before who was in his late 60s early 70s knows that already mm-hmm. somehow or another our generation doesn't know that and so how do we get them on board with that and why you know, again going back to this why don't we know that why is there so much confusion what happened in the last 40 years that severed us and, you know, from this idea that feminism is a more broad umbrella of all of these things that we're talking about, doing yoga, doing meditation, balancing the feminine, the masculine, realizing that there's feminine, masculine in every person, mm-hmm. you know, all of these ideas that people are having are, can fit or have fit under the umbrella of feminism. Just because feminism is offering an alternative to patriarchy. And patriarchy is the thing that's cutting all those things off. But the other thing is, is the only reason why women are becoming aware is because we have a new, we have a new event. We have a new thing that's driving us. We have this current administration that is stirring the pot. And so I think that's it. Like they had the civil rights movements. We have Donald Trump. Right. There's not, that's not a good comparison at all, but still, he's still the catalyst. It's the catalyst. Right. Okay. Awesome. Thank you for joining me. And yeah, I look forward to you guys doing a podcast in the future. So that concludes our show today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like us, please subscribe to our podcast and give us some positive feedback. Follow us on Facebook at FemSouth. And for more information, check out our website, FemSouth.com, where you can find the podcasts and our book reviews. Hope to see you there and keep listening. You're on Fem South. Mm-hmm.